Dune City Horror. Welcome back. Episode, what episode is this? The next Uh, episode? (laughs) Yeah, the the latest episode. I think it's uh, four? Yeah, fourth installment. Season two, episode four? Yeah. It'd be real nice if the creators of the show actually knew like where they were. Yeah. But that's what you get when you subscribe to low budget podcasts about low budget horror. What's up, Matt? What's up, buddy? Just chilling, drinking. Yeah, me too. Me too. Having a good time. Here to talk about uh, some more uh, podcast stuff. Podcast stuff. My boy here. All the stuff. All the stuff. So before we get started real quick with our with this episode, mm-hmm. have you seen anything noteworthy since our last episode? Uh, noteworthy. Uh, I will go as far as to say I saw Terrifier 2. Mm, but didn't you see that before we watched Hanukkah? No, no, I just saw I saw bits of it. Mm. Uh, I also saw Halloween Ends. Why? That's a discussion for another time. I really don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I know how I feel about that. Gross. I just, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's going to be something that I can't really get into now because I got too many open ended questions about it. But. Give me okay. one of them. Give me one of them. Um. Well, I guess what we're supposed to take from the movie Halloween Ends is that uh, what that you know. Spoiler alert! If you guys haven't seen it, apparently, the story that's being told there is that uh, given that Michael Myers has been uh, in hiatus for about four years or so or whatever, uh, he was just sitting aimlessly underground, which I I, I don't have a problem with at, at all. But the fact that he had chose somebody who just stumbled across them and somehow possessed him with the uh, ability to just be a cold-blooded killer like him, I guess. Yeah, Almost like a stupid. passing of the torch kind of thing. Well, that was, it was Which, that's what it was intended for. But like the execution, the intention was good. And even then, it's uh, debatable. But the execution was poor. That shit was stupid. Yeah, it didn't end the way I expected it to. It, it kind of, I don't know. If I were to say it was just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was a planned event. Like, if that that was a planned uh, way to end it. I feel like it didn't go the right direction. Was that the question? But, I don't think I heard a question. I don't, well, I, I'm not. It was more a comment? <laughs> yeah, it's more of a comment. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I can't really say too much about it because we could probably take up this whole time slot talking about it and stuff and still probably have no results in the end. But, uh. Yeah. yeah okay. It, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe some people liked it. Maybe some people enjoyed uh, what was going on there. So I remember, I will never knock anybody for, you know, I will never knock a, a filmmaker for making a movie ever. Like, like we can make fun of their movies all we want and stuff. And the reality is that they, they at some point poured their heart into it. So I'm not going to, dam- I'm not going to damper it too much, but 
it's just not what I expected for sure. That's a good outlook. There's um, a podcast that I was listening to this week and they reviewed the mean one. Okay. And they tore that shit apart. Like they ripped into that thing. All right. I haven't seen it, but based on what they were saying, I would imagine it's kind of bad. Um, but you know, in contrast to what you're saying, you know, you'll never knock a filmmaker for making something. At least they were, you know, courageous enough to go out there and put it out there and they got somebody to back them and they made it. And like, they did Mm -hmm. the thing that they were passionate about doing. So good on them for doing it. Yes, sir. Yeah. This podcast was not, uh, they don't, they don't hold the same view as you, man. They tore it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, more power to them. Like, you know, whatever. some people are critics, some people aren't, some people just kind of, Float on the surface and see what they like and what they don't like. I I kind of think that we we fall on that category of, uh, you know, um, just kind of accepting things for what they are. I mean, let's let's be let's be honest here. You know, we're gonna be covering a lot of movies and probably have covered a lot of movies uh, that really aren't the best, uh, credibly wise. I mean, we we've had a few, we've had a few uh, good ones, but we've had uh are sure bad too. ones yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah you go back and listen to our hanukkah episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah take one step back i mean yeah. you know yeah they 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 made the movie they did that that's a thing they sure did um all right but uh i guess we uh we'll move on to this one for today i want to you know Bringing the old school way of doing this and say tonight, again, the monsters are running amok and we run toward that theater and the marquee sign reads, the butcher, the baker, the nightmare maker. Dun, dun, dun. Um, how did we go about this choice? Oh, we were just floating through the list or? Uh, yeah. Um, yes. You have a list that you created on your own. Um, of a bunch of movies that you thought would be applicable for our podcast. And so um, it's and funny. And growing list, by the way. Those who's listen, who are listening at this point who might be interested, uh, feel free to add to that list. This is merely kind of like a backup list, a backlist for us to work off of. But if you have something that you would like us to talk about, don't don't be afraid to uh, to reach out. Okay, so... In our discussions, you have a list. I think you said you sent it to me before. I think I had it. I just had never looked at it. Uh, but you sent it to me again nonetheless, and we looked at it, and we were like, okay, there's a ton of movies on here, and I don't know how to pick. So I think I just picked one randomly, right? And I was like, mm, yeah. this one. And just then I indexed, looked. you know? Yeah. <laughs> just boop. And then it turns out it was on Shutter, which um, we both have Shutter, so it worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. An easy, an easy grab. Now I didn't know anything about this movie going into it, um, and I was glad that I didn't because in the end I was pleasantly surprised with this movie. Um, I think it was probably better than a lot of the movies that we've seen to date since we've started doing this thing. Even with like our first season on YouTube and um, the few episodes that we've done so far, um, it was really good. I'll I'll tell you what. Why don't you give the kids at home a synopsis of this movie? 
All right. Um, so uh, what we have is a uh, one of those uh, kind of. Uh, all right. How how would I describe it? It's when a a mother figure has a very unhealthy relationship with her teen son who's uh you know he's excelling he's uh planning on going to college um you know 14 years after the mysterious death of his parents um his uh what we know as auntie cheryl well that's a little Uh, confusing because you were already saying that um it's an unhealthy relationship with his mother um, a uh, motherly fact, figure. It's, okay, there My, you go. Yeah, I mean, it's his aunt. I, I said uh, motherly figure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I guess I didn't really uh, reiterate. But yeah, she, no, who, whoever took care of him um, after the absence of his parents when he was only a child. Um, so she was his caretaker. She was his mom, and she has a very unhealthy relationship. And you get, get to learn little by little that uh, she's got some skeletons. <laughs> Not in the closet, but more in the attic. <laughs> Literal. <laughs> um, uh, essentially, it's just uh, one of those uncomfortable uh, kind of uh, uh, horror films that um, like a, a lot of psychological, uh, you know, gameplay. There, I, I guess you would call it, or uh, psychological, oh, whatever. Basically, uh, it's about this teen kid who who can't pretty much uh, do anything without without uh, his motherly or his aunt uh, stepping in. And um, in the event of all this, she uh, she commits murder. Uh, he he actually catches her murdering somebody, and uh, that leads to him trying to protect her. And she's got him kind of wrapped around her finger i guess you'd say uh he's willing to lie for her he's willing to uh, go the extra mile but it's getting them both into trouble with the local pd who doesn't believe their story and uh one thing after another um i don't know people start falling dead and uh we go into a downward spiral and see uh your average uh you know baker woman you know uh home 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 housewife lonely housewife uh turn into uh, is it a mad woman something that we could say uh, i don't know whatever sure we can't say madman mad mad woman what whatever mad person uh, <laughs> mad person yes uh she spirals into uh into madness uh right before our eyes she just uh starts getting nuttier and nuttier and that's kind of how i would describe this film okay yeah that's pretty good there's a synopsis i can give there's a lot of layers to the, i mean there's not a lot of layers but there's like a few of them because uh yeah there's, there's different... and i i didn't want to i didn't want to like you know put all that out put everything out there like during the synopsis yeah we're gonna <laughs> engage in this further you know yeah it starts and ends in a uh, in two different places but uh yeah the the right in between i thought was pretty good um so let's start with um some standard stuff um butcher baker nightmare maker released in 1980. I don't know. I saw various dates. It said 81 and it's 882. Um, I think it definitely takes place in 81. If you do the math, there were a couple things for me where like 
Um, I actually have notes and did math to figure out when this movie takes place. But IMDb says the movie uh, was released in 1981, as does Wikipedia. And we all know we can trust Wikipedia, so uh, I'm going to go with that. Uh, it came out in 1981. Directed by uh, William Asher, A-S-H-E-R. Um, not a very well-known actor. <laughs> Rephrase, sorry, I'm drunk. Uh, director. Director. Um, especially in the horror it, genre, because he's not a horror director. Like this mm. movie is like um, an anomaly in his portfolio. He is most known for directing a lot of television, specifically um, I Love Lucy, which he directed 110 out of 179 episodes of that series. Wow, that's a lot. No, it's a yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of that's, commitment. That's a majority of that show. Yeah. Um, but he'd also went on to do things like um, The Twilight Zone, The Patty Duke Show. I think he was actually um, associated with um, Judy Garland a little bit. Um, dude grew up in Hollywood to like Hollywood parents. So like this, you know, he's in the business, but like this is not his forte. There was an original director for the movie. I don't remember his name. I have it in my notes somewhere. I probably need to go get my notes. Um, the original director was the one who directed the opening scene of the movie, which is fucking awesome. I want to get to that in a second. But then the studio felt like the way that the original director was leading the movie was a little bit too slow. So they cut him and they brought him. They brought in Asher. And he finished it out, which um, I'm not mad at because uh, the rest of the movie was was really fucking good. The movie stars um, some kind of known actors, actresses at the time, but um, no name that you would really know. Um, our main character is uh, Billy Lynch. That's his name in the movie. He's played by an actor named Jimmy McNichol. Um I'll cut ahead real quick. Also in this movie, we have a small cameo by an unknown actor. known. Uh, he's credited, his name in the movie is credited as William Paxton, but we all know him as Bill Paxton, which was crazy to me because um, he is so fucking young in this movie, man. It is insane. He's got, you know, great set of hair. He's got that like 20 something body. I was like, damn, Bill Paxton looks fucking great. But it's weird. It's funny to me because he he originally auditioned for the role of Billy, which would make sense because his name is Bill. Durr. But the studio wanted to go with a more known actor. And at the time, Bill Paxton was not known. Um, if I'm looking at his IMDb, this movie was put out in 81. So prior to 81... Paxton has one, two, three, four IMDb credits. Uh, the first thing is something called Crazy Mama, where he's actually uncredited. Then something called The Egyptian Princess, an unfolding fantasy from 77. That was just kind of a short. He was in a music video for the Fish Heads in 80. And then he was listed as Soldier in Stripes in 81. So probably like a background character, like, you know, no lines, anything like that. And then we have Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker. Um, 
from there though, I mean, it's so, it's so crazy to see such a big name in such a small role because from there, um, he goes on to be in a ton of shit and I'm just going to, I'm going to cherry pick the, like the top shelf gems here. So from 81, um, the next thing he does, which, you know, everybody would know is, uh, the Terminator in 84. I don't know if you remember who he was in that one. Yeah, of course. He's one of the punk kids on the bridge. Yeah. Uh, uh, this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was Bill Paxson. Well, was he the one that had the mohawk or was it the other dude? No, he was the one with the blue spikes for hair. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. No, the one He's with the one that, that real gave him real quick after Arnold pun- punched a hole through <laughs> that dude's heart. <laughs> okay. From there, um, in 85, he does weird science. And then also in 85, he also does commando. In 86, he does Aliens. Um, from there, he's in Navy Seals in 90, Predator 2 in 90. Um, he did an episode of Tales from the Crypt in 93. He plays Morgan Earp in Tombstone in 93. He's in True Lies, again, with Arnold Schwarzenegger in, uh, in 94. I have a small dick. It's pathetic. I got a little dick, man. <laughs> oh, that's pathetic. what it was. <laughs> but that whole scene where, like, he's taking Schwarzenegger on yeah. the the uh, the ride in the Porsche, or I forgot what kind of car he was trying to buy. The Corvette. Yeah, it was a Corvette. Because remember, he was like, I just the I vet. remember was his line I was it, the it vet was, uh, gets him wet. It, oh yeah, that's right. And it was it was uh, oh fuck, what do you call him? One of the ones with the tops that go down, right? The convertible. convertible. Yeah. Yeah, it was a convertible. But he was sitting there bragging about um, his uh, Schwarzenegger's wife, remember? Because he was like, I got this one on the hook right now. She's like all about it. She was like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's can... having like daytime fantasies of like him smashing his face and killing him and shit. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> of the shit that he was saying about his wife. Yeah. He was like, yeah, man, she's got an yeah, yeah, yeah. ass like a 10-year-old boy. She could suck start a leaf blower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i got uh, run i had that little pencil thin mustache yeah yeah, yeah so true lies um in 95 he does apollo 13 in 96 he does twister 97 he does titanic again another james cameron uh project there and then just a bunch of shit after that forgot he was in club dread in 2004 with um broken lizard which is like one of those Club Dread to me is one of those like um, under the radar. Really, nobody really knows about it. You know, everybody knows like Super Troopers and Beer Fest because those are all Broken Lizard, but nobody knows like Club Dread or the Slam and Salmon. Dude, Slam, Slam and Salmon, Salmon yeah, is so was the other fucking one. funny, man. Not enough people know that movie. Um, in eight in two thousand six, um, he starts um, the lead as um, Bill Henriksen in Big Love on HBO, which is. Show about Mormons and polygamy, uh, which was really good. He was in Hatfields and McCoy in 2012. I mean, the list goes on. You know what I mean? That's all the like the choice shit. But like, there's so much shit in between all of that as well. And yeah. you know, when I saw him on screen, I was instantly happy to see him in something, and especially so young in something that nobody fucking knows about. And then I was automatically sad because I remember that he died um, about five years ago. I think game over, man. Game yeah. over. 
<laughs> no, hey, Baxes, man. You know, God's paid you, bro. <laughs> God's paid. You know, I, I always know, dude. I always talk to my buddies about this. I was like, what? I mean, for a guy like that, I mean, he's an icon, he's a legend and stuff, but everyone's always going to remember the dude from Aliens, right? He was a badass up until the point when he realized he is not the alpha there and shit, and he's just like, then he starts whining the rest of the time and shit like that, but that famous line that he says, game over, man, like, that should have been on his headstone, man. Oh, yeah. All the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That'd be, not, so that'd be one hell of a way to go. So good. Okay, so back to the main character um, okay. in the movie. His name is Billy Lynch. Uh, the actor's name is Jimmy McNichol. Again, they wanted a more known uh, person, actor. Um, looking at his IMDb, nothing that I would really recognize him from. He did a couple episodes of some TV shows. Gunsmoke mm-hmm. is probably the, the most noteworthy one he did one episode my uncle likes that show a lot gunsmoke Gunsmoke? yeah Hmm. he was in a tv series called the fitzpatrick's um a tv movie called champions another tv miniseries called california fever um tv movie blinded by the light but again nothing until butcher baker nightmare maker so like it's funny to me that like even though he's got more on his list I don't, I mean, I'm not from that time, so I don't know how much of this was like known to people. So, you know, it's crazy that they went with him over Bill Paxson for the lead, but it is what it is. Well, if, if I'm going to take a wild crack at it, let, let's, uh, let's rewind the time to like, you know, early television, right? Earlier television, right? So let's say around, I don't know, I wouldn't say that every household in the 50s had a TV, right? So let's uh, maybe push it up to the 60s. And by like the seventies, like almost everybody had at least one TV in their house, right? Probably like the biggest TV being like a thirty-two inch or something, <laughs> you know, something ridiculously small. So I'm guessing if you you take uh, you, you take that aspect, and you know, I mean, TV's still kind of new to people. I think people are gonna follow a lot more like whatever show that's on so i'm i'm thinking that like yeah maybe he was a very uh aspiring celebrity uh to them um probably with the likes of it or equivalent of like you know michael j fox was to what was that show that he was on family ties family ties you know everyone knew him from that and i think it's it might be the same thing here maybe this was uh like a different uh different pace for him never been on a horror film let alone maybe a feature film so it may have been that they were taking like a well-known face of that era putting him onto uh, an actual full motion picture and i guess we're hoping to uh, bring out his career maybe in a way i don't know i that that's what i would guess but i don't know could be completely wrong about that whatever who knows so, um, last character I really want to kind of talk about right here up front um, is the ant. Ant, uh, hold on, Cheryl, Aunt Cheryl. Cheryl Roberts is her name in the movie. She's played by an actress named Susan Tyrell. Um, and I got to say, just kind of right off the jump here, fucking bravo, man. She did 
such a great job in this movie. It was in like we'll get into it in a minute, but like her her the way that she just like switches on a on a dime, you know, like man. Oh yeah. No, they I feel like that I I know it wasn't, but I feel like the part was written for that woman. She she definitely she definitely, I don't I can't see anybody else playing it any better, you know. Even if I were to take a modern, you know, actress or something like that, but yeah. I don't know. She did well. It was like made for her. So it's funny that you say that, you know, you feel like um, the role was written for her when, as a matter of fact, it was not. It was actually written for Patty Duke. And for whatever reason, they didn't go with her and they went with uh, Susan Tyrell, which I'm not mad at. I'm not, I don't know how Patty Duke would have done, but she did a fucking great job, uh, Susan Tyrell. So uh, kudos to her. Okay. okay. Um. So, I actually have the movie up here. I'm uh, watching it. Uh, not watching it, but like I have it just so I can like reference it. The way the movie opens is funny to me because it just it just starts. You know what I mean? Yeah. It starts with her coming out holding three year old Billy, and uh, Billy's parents are like loading up the car. They're getting ready to go on a trip. Um. And like the credits. Like the, the, not the credits, but like the, I don't know, the title for the movie is just, it's just there. Like it reminded me of like, like a television show or a sitcom, which I mean, I don't know from an editing perspective, but like the director comes from television. So it wouldn't, doesn't surprise me that it, you know, it just starts, there's the, you know, the title of the, the movie and then off you go uh, into the movie. And it's funny because it starts with, you know, the the mom and dad packing up the car, getting ready to go on a road trip. And they're leaving Billy with um, Aunt Cheryl. And as soon as they drive off, like the baby starts crying and, you know, wanting for his parents and everything. And then it cuts to uh, the parents driving uh, on the road, like through the mountainside. And, you know, me, I've got OCD, you know, so I'm like, where does this take place? When does this take place? And it's easy because in in the car, they're going um, down the canyon looking at pictures of their son. And, you know, they're talking about their trip. And on the radio, you can hear the announcer talking about the results of Super Bowl one, which took place in 1967. And then he's also talking about weather advisories for the state of Arizona. So I'm like, okay, it's 1967, and it takes place in the state of Arizona. So that's okay. right, because they brought up Flagstaff, and you remember that's a place that we've been to. Uh, we also I, blew a tire there one time. Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, at the time not good times, but now uh, think about it. That was Looking great back times. on it, you can laugh. <laughs> okay, so. When the parents leave um, Aunt Cheryl and and they leave baby Billy with uh, Aunt Cheryl, they leave and then like Aunt Cheryl makes this like weird face of like, oh, we'll miss you, wink, but not really. And you're like, what the fuck? It's kind of a creepy vibe. And then it cuts to the parents driving on the road and they're going down this hill. And like almost instantly you can kind of, I don't know if it was like obvious to you, but it was obvious to me that like, their brakes are not going to work or something's going to happen with the car. Uh, I'll go as far as to say that, yes, I knew something was coming, 
Uh, I didn't know what it was, but I I have to remember the fact that I'm watching a horror film. So yeah, I'm like a- anything can happen at any moment, and it, it seems all like bright rainbows and good times and family fun and all that shit. Um, but yeah, you already ultimately know something bad's gonna happen. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So. Lo and behold, the brakes don't work. The guy, you know, the dad's driving down here super fast. He can't stop. And which is funny to me because I was thinking the whole time, like, this can't be the first time you've tried to pump your brakes. So maybe like this is the point in which the brakes decided to ultimately fail. But I can't I fail to believe that, like. Your brakes never worked, and this is the yeah. first time you're freaking You got out. all the way up to the mountain. You didn't hit one red light. Together, you didn't right? hit one stop sign. <laughs> you know what? You got a very good fucking Yeah, point. so maybe maybe really the brake fluid was like leaking out to the point where there was no more rather than the brake line was cut, you know? Yeah. But anyways, yeah. so they're, they're racing downhill, spinning out of control. They're trying to figure out how to control the car, and sure enough, in typical Final Destination st- style, they come up against this big ass logging truck that's got these big ass logs sticking out the back of it, and they can't do anything but slam right into it. And there's a scene where that log goes straight through the windshield, hits the dude's face. His face goes all the way back, or his head goes all the way back, and uh, there's blood everywhere, and the wife is like trying to like grab control of the car, and then they just you know sputter off the road over the mountainside into the river, and fucking as soon as the car is laying there in the river, I was like, how did that car not blow up? And then it fucking blew up, and I was like, ah, I fucking <laughs> knew it. <laughs> so I remember watching this, and I was like, all right. You know, they, they they put some uh they put some writing into this, right? You know, like I mean they didn't just kinda kill him off in a very easy way. But uh, tell me they didn't like uh, totally like prolong like a torturous environment for that poor woman. I mean <laughs> she husband was, she... just <laughs> just lost his head. She's trying to grab the wheel. She's stuck on the back of this logging truck that's like sticking her out like a freaking shisco shisco bob on the highway and kind of dumps her off into the side and it's just chain reaction after chain reaction cars rolling down and then there's a cut scene you're thinking okay that's it she fell into a ravine no no that's not it we're going to continue this fall and the car's just going to keep dumping and it's going to keep rolling and i know it wasn't exactly like this but i did i i kind of got i kind of got reminded uh about that movie hot rod you know when he's going down the hill and shit and it's just non-stop yeah oh that movie's so great <laughs> but yeah dude like i talk about fuck bad luck right i mean this hey. i'm just like they went from just happy old good times to like fucking the worst thing that could have has- happened to them. Yeah. And you're right. And 100%. and then it ended with the explosion. Like it's like add insult to injury. We know she's dead now. We see the blood flowing in the water. We we even see the the uh the, the little picture of the three year old or whatever you said he was three or maybe uh, mm-hmm. whatever whatever toddler. Um floating in water good good scene good editing good cuts 
um and you're like oh man that was just that was just terrible and just like you said random explosion on top of that boom well no i mean maybe (laughs) so i'm sitting there thinking like how did you put in all this money to like make this scene where you know it hits the logging truck and it goes over the cliff and like all this shit and then you don't blow up oh there it is you blew up the car you know what i mean like (laughs) i was like like how do you not finish it off with that part and then they did it and i was like okay good good thank you (laughs) yeah yeah please finish this off please you know do it the right way from there um fades to black transitions um to 14 years later we fade into aunt cheryl sleeping in her bed we pan out to see photographs of her and and billy who's grown up over the years so we're getting the idea that okay He's orphaned now, and so Aunt Cheryl has Grown up, good-looking kid. Yeah, so she's taking care of him, all good, you know? Um, And then, like, she wakes up and then goes over to wake him up, but then, like, crawls into bed with him and starts, like, petting him and, like, blowing in his ear, and I was like, what the fuck? But then I I added that with that, like, look that she gave in the very opening scene when the parents left, and I was like, okay... I already know where this movie is going, or at least I know what this movie is going to be about, where this aunt is like totally in love with her 17 year old nephew. Okay. You and I might go separate paths as far as that goes. I mean, okay. Yes. It is a very uncomfortable relationship. You you get that right from the get go. He's right. She gets in, she crawls into bed with them and stuff like that. It's already very strange. You don't see um, that happen with a motherly figure or a mother um, that often. So it's a little weird. It's like it's like the difference between, you know, mom giving you a kiss on the cheek to you seeing your friend, you know, kiss his mom straight in the mouth. And then you're going to go, mm-hmm. <laughs> dude, no. Right, but now, now you know if there's tongue, it's a little bit. It, that, that's kind of where we're going. We're somewhere in between the. Uh, the the kiss on the lips to the tongue in your own mom it's like right in between there it's it's a very strange so thing that's going on here look i the kiss on the mouth stuff i know is like super common probably more common than i'm comfortable with admitting i don't do it with my parents i barely even hug them let yeah. alone kiss them on the mouth but i know people do it and i'm not judging i just want people to acknowledge the fact that everybody has their own opinions about things and mine is that that is weird and gross I don't want to believe it, but I got a friend of mine who says that a mutual friend, um, and I don't mean to harp on his mom too much because I believe she's now no longer with us, but mm-hmm. I, I heard back in the days that they were all hanging out at his house and mom came in, he's like sitting there shirtless and picture a grown man shirtless with his buddies playing like board games or something like, you know, nerd board games, like Warhammer type shit. And, uh, you know, mom comes home like, hey, how was your day, sweetie? Blah, blah, blah. Kisses him on the mouth. Okay. I'm sure they're going to cringe a little bit. But all of a sudden, she's like rubbing his chest hairs and stuff like that. And they're all like looking at each other thinking, okay, this is kind of fucking weird. This is exactly what I'm feeling from this. So, so okay. So, they're at their buddy's house and they're all grown men. And this dude is sitting there with no shirt on playing a board game. And that's not weird. The weird part is the kiss on the mouth from his mom. 
You should see the people that it comes from. Dude, imagine if I came like, to your house and I was like, hey, let's play this board game, but I'm going to pop my shirt off real quick. Oh, but he's at his own house, though. You know, he's, you know, he's comfortable at his own house that way. You know what I mean? It's not like he comes over to my house and says, oh, I need to get comfortable and just rips off his shirt or just takes off his pants or, you know, maybe his shoes. I don't know if it was like grown, if I grew up like in an Asian <laughs> household and shit like that. Off his shoes <laughs> but th- this guy... Yeah, this guy's in, you know, he's in his own element. I, I don't really question the no shirt thing. However, I don't, like, sit there and hang out with my buddies with no shirt on. It's just a little weird for me. Uh, I, not really, but it's not like we're checking each other out. Well, whatever the case may be. But, yeah, I mean, no, the, the initial shirt off thing did not, uh, you know, strike me as weird. The the petting of the chest and the kiss on the lips did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's the vibes mm-hmm. I'm picking up here, right? She like you said, she comes in there, she's kind of caressing them and stuff like that. You're like, oh, well, what the fuck's kind of going on here and stuff like that. But um I I will disagree on the fact that she's got some kind of uh she's got a strange attraction to him, but I don't think it's that kind of attraction. Okay. We'll leave that thought there for the moment. For the moment, yeah. yeah. And I'll cover more about it towards the end. But so she wakes him up. Um, I th- think we got the impression that it's like his birthday, or maybe right before. Um, Cutscene to her downstairs making breakfast. She's like taking some like mason jar out of a pot, and to me, I was like, "What the fuck?" But then she's like, um. I don't know what you, the term is. She's like a not a she 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 does a lot of pickling. So like it transitions yeah. from her to the island. Pickled everything all over the fucking kitchen. You yeah. know that? Like pickled eggs, pickled. So as soon as they oh. showed all the jars, I was like, oh okay, that's why she's just like cleaning or sanitizing the jar for pickles or whatever. Right. Right. Um. But you know, uh, Billy's on his way out to school, and he's talking about bringing his girlfriend over for dinner tomorrow. I guess that you know tomorrow's his birthday. And he wants to bring over his girlfriend, Julie. And Aunt Cheryl's like, no, um, sorry. I think the literal line is like, I'm going to be your date your tomorrow. Date. Sorry. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm Fine. your date for your birthday. Whatever makes you happy. And then he leaves. And then she gives this weird fucking look. And under her breath, she's like, you make me happy. And that's when I was like, confirmed. This bitch is crazy. She's in love with the, her nephew. This is going to be a weird ass movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of, they kind of went straight into it, right? Like, yeah, she, she is so bizarre. So let's, so then we go to, uh, we go to his high school, right? Yeah, he's he's, uh, basketball. he's at basketball practice, and the coach is like, "Hey, I want to talk to you after practice." This is where we meet Bill Paxton for the first time. He's yeah, playing, good old Bill Paxton. Yeah, Paxton they're playing time. shirts versus skins uh, in basketball practice, which made me like kind of uh think back like man what a such a good time back in the day where like you could do shirts versus skins i don't know if you could pull that off in high school today you know what i mean no no not legally no <laughs> I, I don't think so. yeah <laughs> yes no uh, th- probably these were the <laughs> these were the days of uh short shorts Short basketball shorts. Doctors and, uh, smoking you know. in the uh, in the hospital. Right. Yeah. 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 This is um, <laughs> a very different time. 
Um, let let us uh, em- embrace that a little bit too, because uh, really, um, there there are factors in this film that that uh, might generate a little heat uh, from as as we declare them out. Uh, from, I know what you're the, talking about, but we can yeah, look up to yeah. it. Modern day standards, but remember, this came at a time where things were very, very different, and I'll disclose that much. Okay. Okay. So basketball practice is over. Um, he gets in a little bit of a beef with Bill Paxson, is where we meet him for the first time. Um, the school photographer is his girlfriend Julie, taking pictures of him. And coach says, Hey, I want to talk to you after practice. And even then, even in that scene, even in that just little moment when the coach is like, hey, stop by my office, like talking to some kid who doesn't have a shirt on. And the way he said it just gave me some creepy vibes. But like, I'll just leave it there for now. But I was just like, dude, that's I don't know. It was framed up really weird. Um, I I didn't I didn't get that from that either, by the way. I just assumed. Now, mind you, this isn't the first time I'd seen this movie. Well, I'll get into that later on. But it's been a while. I didn't. I didn't remember uh, taking everything in, like like we're talking about. No, now. I got gotcha. But um, I didn't. I didn't get that from, from that. I I I just you know I you know what I got from that was that it was like a coach trying to uh, be there for like one of his star players, and you know how they were, especially back in the day and stuff like that. Like this kid's gonna make something of himself, so. I'm going to develop a cl- close relationship. I'm going to watch him closely because I want him to be my project to, to get him to the big yeah. leagues and stuff like that. Which is confirmed, you know, a few minutes later when he come, when, when Billy comes out of the office and he meets Julie in the hallway and he's like, hey, you know, I know it's late or whatever. I got to go. I got to go talk to my aunt. And it's not until he makes it home to his aunt um, to find out um, that he the coach is like, Hey, there's a scout coming to the game tomorrow, and like, you, there's a really good chance that you can get a full ride scholarship to University of Denver or Denver University or whatever, which is the same college his girlfriend's going to. And he's so he comes home all excited to tell the aunt, and uh, you know that's where we start to see the other side of Aunt Cheryl, because mm. he starts proposing that I'm gonna leave when I turn 18 or when I graduate high school whenever that is on a full ride scholarship to college, um, athletic scholarship. And she fucking flips. She's like, hell no. No, she gives him that look like the fuck you are not under my watch. Yeah. (laughs) And like automatically pick up these vibes, not just her demeanor and her face, but her voice. It goes from like being soft, little innocent, you know, and Cheryl to be like, you're never leaving me ever. And I was like, holy shit. A, Mm -hmm. that was a good kind of like twist to see that change in character from that person. But B, like she does it so fucking well. It's so like, it's not forced. You can feel like it's natural almost. I don't know. It's crazy. Again, what's her name you said? And Cheryl? No, her her actual name, yeah. Uh, Susan Tyrell. Oh, good good job to her for being able to pull that off. Like, I mean, seriously, like, if you can be one thing and totally change right in front of me and stuff like that, and make it believable, you know, Bravo. Even even this movie is really old, but just just the acting alone isn't dated. I I don't think it's that dated. You know, some movies are just you, you kind of go back to you're like, fuck, I love that movie when I was a kid. And you go you go back and watch it. You're like, what the fuck did I like about that movie? It sucked. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. This is one of those things that just, uh, it seemed like they did right from the get-go, and it still kind of holds its, uh, you know, holds its water, I guess. Yep. So they get into an argument. She ends up slapping him in the face in that scene where, like, he's like, no, I'm going. And she just, like, like slaps him, and he just looks at her like, did you really just do that? And she looks <laughs> at him like, yeah, I really just did that. <laughs> That's kind of where it ends. <laughs> But the next scene is um, the next day with uh, Anne Cheryl going into like her shed with all her um, uh, canned food or whatever and uh, her jar food. Mm -hmm. And she starts like kind of talking to herself. And this is kind of the first iteration of that we get of her being kind of psychopath ish. Right. I don't know. I, I still I, at this point, I already knew she was. But yeah, I, I, I guess it's just, just kind of the icing it. on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I just kind of icing on the cake that. for she she mutters to herself on a, a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it starts happening. Like you said, starts happening here. And it's it's I want to say, too, like throughout the movie, some of this shit's like completely inaudible. Like you have no idea. What yeah, the, yeah, there are part there. I did have to turn the um, I had to turn the subtitles on for um, some parts, especially when um, did it say anything? Um, no the the part where I had to turn it on is when the detective is talking to the coach, and I was like, "What the fuck are you saying right now?" And then I I figured it out. Um. Okay. So yeah, the there's there's some editorial issues with the movie, especially. Um, with the what kind of is coming up next? So, um, the next so she's talking to herself. She's coming to grips with the fact that he's going to get a scholarship and go away, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make him stay. I'm going to figure out a way to like keep him. She gives him a birthday present, wakes him up again. There's a card that says "Happy Birthday." Good luck with the scholarship. And he's like, "What? I can go?" And she's like, "Yeah, I just needed to like come to terms with it." And so he goes to school, and all's good. And she's like getting her dinner ready. But she tells him, like, hey, can you call the TV repairman to come over? Because the TV doesn't work. And he's like, okay, no problem, whatever. And then we see the TV repairman at the house. And he's fixing the TV. But she's also, like, fixing herself up. Getting, like, dressed. And she's got a flower in her hair. You know, like, prettying herself up. And when he's getting ready to leave, she comes and, like, throws herself at him. Like, big time. Like, like please don't leave. Like, I think even one of the lines was like, you can, you can do whatever you want to me. Like, I don't care. I won't tell. Yeah. Anybody. She corners him. She pushes him up. She reminds me of that lady from Edward Scissorhands, you know, with the dishwasher guy. No, I don't remember. Oh, uh, you don't remember? Like basically she's like fucking everyone else except her husband. Oh, kind of. Yeah. 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 She was in on Edward like multiple times. Yeah. Uh, well, she reminded me of that, but yeah, this guy, this lady was uh, taking it a little step further. But yeah, she was pushing it, man. This guy was pretty much like not having it. He's like, you yeah. know, like, get the fuck off me. Yeah. Which you kind of question, like, I mean, okay. I, I guess I shouldn't get it. The dude that, looks like a got... macho guy, right? You know, he's athletic build. Yeah. He's got his t shirt, like, open, like it's a button down t shirt, but the top is open like a V. He's got all these gold chains. You're like, that's a dude's dude. But he's like, 
hell no, get off me. And she's like, come on, I'll let you do whatever. And it was funny. Better he, man than a lot of us. Let's he, put it that way. He, you turned, know? <laughs> <laughs> he turned around and was like, I mean, all right. Pussy's being thrown right at him. He's just like, no, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> he, he turned around and was like. I'm taking that shit. Don't, don't be throwing your pussy at me. I yeah, don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, around. I'm not saying that we're all dirtbags here. I'm just saying that most guys would, you know, try to talk your way out of it. We wouldn't be so aggressive, like, like, oh, fuck you, you know, get off me type shit. Like, right. just like, nah, I'm not interested, but thank you. You know, I appreciate, you know. Right. <laughs> I appreciate the services, <laughs> but I'm good. <laughs> you know, this guy was just not having it, man. He was pushing her off and everything. So and he, he does get right, he he's all like in his own way he didn't say it in these words but he was just like all right is this what you want bitch you know he starts to you know starts to unzip his pants and shit and then wait am i yeah am no I that's what i was gonna say so he at one point he turns around and was like fine you want some here okay, just go to work on me and like he goes to like pull his pants down or whatever and she got all offended and i was like that's exactly what you were asking for and then like she slapped him. He pushed her. She got crazy, pulled out the big ass fucking butcher knife and then just started slashing this dude. But that's at the same time where Billy comes in and sees this happening. And oh, he gets off his moped and everyone here who's listening to this podcast, you might you, you might be of our generation. You might know about those mopeds. Paul, you remember a, a saying that was uh, back in the day and shit like, like when we were kids and shit like that, like, uh, <laughs> what did they say? Uh, Fat chicks are uh, like mopeds. They're cool until your friends see you riding one. <laughs> right, right. That, that was it. Thank you. I was gonna say. Okay, yeah. So our main character drives himself out around on these. Uh, if you don't know, a moped is it's it's like a, it's equivalent to like you know one of these electrical bikes that are today. Or if you take a bicycle and you put a motor on it and stuff like that, it's it's essentially the same thing. It's like a bike, a bicycle, and a motorcycle at the same time. But it's not really fully engaged in one or the other. So uh, that, that's what the kid rides up in. Um, like, like you said, uh, he comes up to the house. He looks in the window as she's stabbing this guy, right? And he's already like, ah, oh, fuck. There's windows all over. There's blood all over the windows. and Like, he doesn't even know what to say, right? He comes in. He's like, what the fuck, you know? And that kill scene was weird because they did it in like slow motion and like the faces that they were making. I don't know. It was like a weird, it was a weird shot for me. Uh, yes. Yes. And I think there's a reason for that though. That you want to disclose later? Well, no, I guess I could disclose it now. I, I, well, I guess, I guess the reason why I was going to wait until later is because uh, certain other scenes that kind of poke through. But uh, all around, uh, just just the nature of this film, I think, is kind of an unsettling bit. Like, there, there's a lot of unsettling details that you, you kind of realize when you're watching it and stuff like that. And I think that point was kind of trying to capture the horror of the situation. Mm. You know, like... It, I mean, this is before you had slow motion effects kind of like you would have on like, I don't know what, The Matrix and shit like that. The major Stuff like that, you want to see shit because it's cool. Like it's a flying bullet and you just see the spiraling smoke and shit like that, you know, as it's going and stuff. 
you, you try to see these action scenes in um, slow motion. And like you said, this is kind of a weird placement for one, but I think it was kind of focusing on the horror. Like this is actually for that scene alone, I think it was kind of disclosing, okay, this is the first time we see this woman crack completely. And you know, actually murder somebody yeah. in front of our eyes. Yeah. And you see that I, that I think that, it's bookmarking that or highlighting that's it. That's a good so, point. Know. Because you see that other side of her get turned up to eleven. You know what I mean? And like you yeah. saw it a little bit when he was talking about the scholarship, but you really see it uh in this scene right here and it just it goes from zero to a hundred real fast. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It 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 uh it kind of plays off what we already know. The lady's a psychopath, but now it's it's fully yeah. there, you know. So um, while all of this is transpiring, her friend Margie comes over with her husband, and they bring a cake for the birthday, and they walk in. <laughs> what did his... her husband say? Wait, wait. She said, that didn't part she was make funny. Yeah, I I, I kind of <laughs> glossed over it. But... No, 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 no. So we saw Margie earlier. We skipped over this, but Margie uh, was over at yeah. the house earlier picking up um, pickled tomatoes from Aunt Cheryl. So when they arrive at the uh, at the party here or the dinner or whatever, uh, Margie tells her husband, I think his name is Frank. She's like, make sure you say something nice, you know, or something about her pickled tomatoes. And he was like, they were horrible. But he says it so naturally where you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so oh, and so, I love Frank. And so his God, wife, bless, God bless you, Frank. And so his wife in typical wife fashion is like, well, if you got nothing nice to say, then don't say anything. And. He's like, well, then I just won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Couldn't have said it better myself. So they walk in. They see this, um, you know, big-ass murder scene in the kitchen. Oh, no, and wait. Billy's wait, wait, holding wait. the knife. But we forgot to disclose one thing. When Billy had noticed her murder the guy, what was she telling him? Oh, that he was trying to rape her. Yeah, he, and he she kept insinuating. She kept he. Oh, he was trying to rape me. You saw it. You saw. You saw. Like just putting it in his head. That, I, like I think. I think this kind of emphasizes a little bit. Some of a, a little bit of the. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Manipulation. Um, yeah, like indoctrination. Like she's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess manipulation would be a good way. Like, like she's making him feel like he's seen that, right? Which he didn't, right? Because clearly from the scene, he walked in while she all, was already. All he him. saw was the actual stabbing. Yeah, and yeah. now he's just got to take her word for it. And of course, he is right. She's the one that took care of him. She's the one that that you know does everything for him that he needs. You know, as a growing kid and shit. Who, by the way, is not liking anyone else trying to get in her way. Right, right. So the friends come in. They see this whole thing, blood all over the both of them. He's holding the knife. She runs to her, uh, Aunt Cheryl runs to her friend and was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so the next scene is them talking to the police. And um, it's funny because there's a couple of detectives on the scene. And, like, they started cracking jokes about, like, the body. And... Oh, One of the tech dude, detectives. I wrote a note. I, I wrote a note about this. Okay, I had to. I had to. All so, right. So Hold one on, of the dude. detectives looks to the other one, right? I think Detective Cook um, looks to Detective. Oh, what the fuck was his name? Carlson. Carlson, and he's like, um, 
do you buy attempted oh. rape? And he's like, no. Do you? And he's like, yeah, no, I don't either. But then yeah. they were like, oh, poor guy. Couldn't even get his pecker up or whatever. And I was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. That was my note. In fact, it was the one note I <laughs> I'm sure I had. But I was like, I was too lazy to grab my phone. But I just thought it was funny. He's like, yeah, he, that didn't happen. This guy didn't even have his pecker out. And then all of not out. Not out. Crime scene. He couldn't even get his pecker up, and I was, and, and it made me think: if you I die with that. a boner, does it just stay hard? I've never I think seen. It depends on the situation. Any crime scene TV show that has ever alluded to that fact? No, but you never, you never seen that episode of A Thousand Ways to Die. There, there was I a guy who got. I, I want to say he was bit in the penis by a black widow or some shit. So it like it it like it, it roided out his penis. He was just like, "Fuck, dude, I I can't get enough." So he's banging his his broad and shit like that, and they they get finished, and she goes home, but he's still not done. So he's hitting up other broads and shit like that, and he keeps going <laughs> abroad, you know, to get to get it where he can, and just literally fucks himself to death. So I don't know. So <laughs> well, I, don't know. I mean, in that case, you had intervention with the Black Widow. You know what I mean? In this case, he you know he allegedly was trying to rape her. So he would have had a heart on, but then died. And I think like with the loss oh, you know of blood, yeah. like you, either way, I was like, that's, that's weird. So they don't buy it. Um, and then the start- I'm not going to say I don't, I dislike, by, by the way, the, the detective Carlson. I, I kind of like him. <laughs> He's a douche. He's a big douche, but I fucking love that so, guy. So he established, we get him established as like the lead detective on this thing now. Right. And he's played right. by an actor named Bo Svensson. I say it that way because he's um, Swiss or Swedish. Swedish is what you would say, right? It looks like he's from Sweden. So like he's Swiss, 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 Swiss. (laughs) (laughs) And like this dude is big, broad shoulders, tall. Like he's a big motherfucker, intimidating. And it I, is intimidating. That's why I like about him. He re- it really is. He kind of like fuck. Like I don't want to fuck with this guy. He's like a no take shit from anybody kind of guy. And like he was talking shit to Billy, to Aunt Cheryl. He was talking shit to the the friends, and like he was calling them liars, and like just like he had come up with a formula in his head, and was like, nope, this is how it happened. I don't buy any of your bullshit. Fuck you. You're all lying to me. In hearing him talk, I was like, dude, this dude sounds so familiar. Like, where do I know him from? And I started looking up his IMDb and I didn't really know him from anything right. other than this. He was in some like um some Tarantino stuff. He was in um he is the he's in Kill Bill. He is the preacher or priest at the chapel where uh, Beatrix Kiddo gets killed. You know, I, I, okay, this doesn't surprise me, but I actually think I heard somewhere that this movie is one of Quentin Tarantino's favorites. Mm. All right. So, I mean, that makes a whole bunch of sense. And of course he would pick that guy of all guys. Yeah, I mean, right. he's seemingly like a character that Quentin Tarantino would put yeah. onto one of his yeah. films. He's also don't quote more- me on that. I could be wrong. I but I, I feel like uh Quentin Tarantino was somehow inspired by this. 
at some point. It's like his genre, right? It's like it's like the age of his movies, sure. anyway. Yeah, sure. So it's established he doesn't believe anything that happened there. He ends up going to the school and like talking to the kid again. And you know, Aunt Cheryl is, you know, the next day is like burning her memorabilia from like a past life or whatever. And um, the detective. That's not what she says, says to her son. Or I'm sorry, the one that she's taking care of, though. When was she burning the fireplace? Mean? She's burning stuff in the fireplace. Um, just she says it's just old shit that she's yeah, yeah, trying to yeah, get rid yeah. of. Um, which which causes him to go upstairs to kind of check out, you know, what she's doing up in the attic and stuff, and uh, kind of finds stuff that he's not supposed to be seeing yet. Yeah, um, a little, a little bit, a little bit. Um, falls down the stairs, hurts himself, and she comes to his aid. Yeah, um, a little, a little bit. Which also tells signs of something. Uh, there's a picture of somebody, and she's trying to hide it, right? A male yeah. figure. Yeah. Um. Um. Well, so. he picks it up, and he he's looking at it, and he asks who it was because she's like gazing at it, and she's like, "Oh, it's just some guy your mom used to date back in the day. He's nobody." And then and she says his name, uh, Chuck something, Chuck Strang. Not Norris. Yeah, no. <laughs> nah, She's like, no, this, this guy named Chuck Strange that like your mom used to date back in the day. He's nobody. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about this time in the movie where the detective Carlson is like really starting to do his homework, right? There's a ring that the guy, the TV repairman was wearing. It's inscribed and it turns out um, it's inscribed by Billy's coach at the high school. So he comes to confront him and he's like, hey, like you're gay. And this is your gay lover and he's dead and you know that. And he's like threatening him. He's like, you better quit your job because once people find out you're gay, at least that's the part he insinuates, you you know, lynch mobs coming for you. And like, I'm going to figure out like how this all goes down because, you know, you're gay. Billy's on your team. Your gay lover was murdered by Billy, who I think, you know, killed it. I don't think she murdered him. I think he did. Um, and it starts turning into the, like this twisted love triangle that the detective's making up in his head, mm-hmm. which is, is good because like he, there's even a scene where like he's painting the picture of what happened in there and they shot that scene and they show it and it's like, oh yeah, I could totally see how like this alternate reality situation kind of unfolds. But like, we all know that that's not how it happened. Um, yeah. So from there, we see um, Aunt Cheryl, you know, still kind of going back um, to the shed. And I think there's like this wall that she broke down. And then we find that there's pictures of that same guy, Chuck Strange, with like candles and like just like this kind of like, um, what do you call it? Um, When like they're dead. It's a shrine. Shrine. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's a shrine that she put up there. Which yeah. is weird. If, if she went regularly to visit it, why'd she have to break the boards down? But I guess I don't think she. I think she went to talk to him, but I don't think she went to like look at him. Mm. Mm. So, right. um, the detectives are you know working on it. They're trying to figure out what's happening. Detective Cook, not uh, Carlson, but Detective Cook, starts telling Carlson like, "Hey, I I don't know like." 
his parents died and you know, I, there's all these like weird things around him. Like, I can I make a note about detective cook just real fast? Yeah. I am sorry. The, the fact that this guy does not wear a normal tie for God's sake. <laughs> Where's that Colonel Sanders tie or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at one scene he's wearing like a handkerchief thing. Same way. The yeah. Same way you yeah. Wear. yeah. All right. Sorry. I had to bring that up. No, all, right, all good. All good. Um, so he's trying to tell um, Carlson, like, hey, I think there might be, you know, some additional factors. And Carlson's like, fuck you. Get out of here. I don't need logic. Like, fuck that shit. I already know what happened. I figured it out in my head. Like, it's totally fine. I got it. And so um, Cook goes to talk to Aunt Cheryl and she ends up kicking him out of the house. And then um, Carlson ends up meeting Billy at the house and was like, hey, you're a fag, huh? And like, that's the word they use, which, you know, today is a little bit aggressive, but you know, back in that time, like you were saying earlier, you know, kind mm-hmm. of par for the yeah, course. This is just a, uh, uh, back in these days, it's not like it never happened. It's just the fact that publicly it didn't happen. And people who usually did these things were, were very much closed behind doors and stuff because they felt they had to be, you know what I mean? Um, uh, but nowadays it, it's, it's totally different. I can see how people would get confused watching movies back from these days and going like, oh, that's a horrible thing to say and stuff. But you got to remember, it comes from a very different time frame, very different, uh, period of time and stuff like that, where, where, uh, things of this nature were actually on a very dark angle. Yeah. And plus like Art. given the character of detective, Carlson, like he's a very aggressive machismo, like close my. Oh, person. very masculine. So, like, yeah, yeah. He's it's all it's like, part yeah, of the yeah, course fuck. with his fuck. personality. Yeah. yeah. I only fuck women. Fuck yeah. guys. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. He, he's an alpha for sure. So, you know, the coach ends up retiring, you know, leaving because he feels threatened by the detective. Um, the aunt is assuming that. I guess the the master plan was for this whole thing to go down with this rape thing and to guilt Billy into staying home from college. And it doesn't work because he still wants to go. So she's starting to freak out a little bit. Um, she starts plot, drugging him. Yeah. So the plot starts coming together where like the detective, you know, is asking questions um, to the girlfriend now to Julie, like, Hey, you know, here's the thing. I think that um, your boyfriend, Billy, is gay because his coach is gay and he murdered his gay lover. So like somehow this is like some weird, twisted, like um, love triangle. So I need to know if he's your girl, your boyfriend. Are you guys fucking the the term he uses making it? He's like, are you guys making it? And for a split second, I was like, does he think does he is he asking her if like they think they're going to like make it in the long run and then i remember oh no making it means <laughs> really is that what you thought for when like said that? a half a second i thought that yeah i was gonna say like i knew what he was talking and then about, i was like oh no no no, no, funny, no. I know right? what he's because talking about, nowadays yeah. when you watch interrogation videos cops are yeah were you fucking her like yeah 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 i totally was no. you, know, you know what i mean like it's yeah it's not another thing and shit like that. I, again, I think it's just a time frame thing and stuff like that. There's some kind of level of conservativeness, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's like, I'm not going to tell you such a thing. I was like, why not? Just tell him, hey, yeah, we fucked like multiple times. Like, life for the asshole. <laughs> you know, he's your boyfriend. 
He's well, that, but that's the thing, though. To, like, the detective yeah. thinks that everybody's covering for him. He thinks the aunt is covering for him, and now he thinks the girlfriend's covering for him. He thinks the coach yeah. is covering for him. So I don't think he would have been Ed. I don't think he would have been happy with any answer, anyways, because he thought everybody was just trying to look out for this dude. So by her telling him, I don't. I'm not going to answer that question for you. He was like, "You just did," insinuating that like she's telling him, "No, we don't." Which we don't know yet because yeah. we haven't seen anything like that. Uh, but then it like literally cuts to a scene where like it's right to it, right? Yeah, he's like, no, "Hey, no, uh, my aunt's leaving Actually, town." I got, until a good, I got a good one for that scene. Okay, I remember that transition, right? Because I, I I was like, "All right," it, it cuts to hands on we, we already assume is his body, right? His torso. You know, it's a masculine torso. It's a teenager's torso. We see the hands running along. And my immediate thought, my immediate thought, I don't know if this was yours, was like, oh, my God, that's going to be his aunt. Yeah, it totally was. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they prefaced that scene with like, hey, my aunt's leaving town. Come over. We'll hang out. And she's like, finally. (laughs) We just assumed that you know, I was like, because with her freaky nature and shit, you wouldn't right. put it past her, right? So they start getting, so they start getting down and dirty, um, and then mm-hmm. um, in the middle of it, well, she starts questioning their sexuality too. I mean, their their lack of, lack thereof. Uh, yeah, she'd brought up the fact that like the detective came around asking how often they have sex, which wasn't the question. He was just asking. If they have sex, she was saying that he's asking how often they have sex. And I was like, that wasn't the question, but and it fit the scene because then he was like, like turned over and was like, all right, like, let me put it in you real quick. And, and so while they're having sex and Cheryl comes home and opens the door and busts in and like to her surprise, she sees them having sex and she goes, you know, I don't think it was to her surprise. I think she knew she was walking. Well, into. I think leading up to the scene, it's insinuated that somebody's like lurking around the house. Like yeah. He even looked out the window when he went to go get something to drink. But and tell then, me, we didn't already know who that was. Um, I thought it was the detective, to be honest, but then it turned out to be. Oh, that. So that either way. Sense. Yeah, either way. Yeah, that makes sense. So she's, you know, in her aggressive voice, you know, get that slut out of here. And it's like, oh, my God, dude, this girl, this lady is super fucking pissed. And, uh, you know, she leaves and I felt scared. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, Damn. she's she's not caught dude. slipping. Yeah, she's nuts. So, so as Julie's leaving the house, Detective Cook is outside the house too, and he's like, "Hey, like, did you get caught, like, fucking Billy right now?" And she's like, "Uh, yeah." This and looks good for his case. Yeah, it was so weird. He's not homosexual dude. at all. So yeah. fucking weird. So, so that's the thing. So, like, who was lurking around the house? Was it Aunt Cheryl or was it Detective Cook? There's, there's also another question I had to bring up here too. Um. I, I, did, or was it just me? I, I know this is a fiction movie, right? Um, and, you know, any depiction from the police department's perspective is always going to be based off of just that. Like, But the reality is, is I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of laughing about this. Well, for two things. One, a, usually you see a dynamic between um, bet, between uh, accomplices like like two two detectives usually working together but this is the first time i've seen them kind of working against each other because one has his own vision of what's going on the other has another the other right um at the same time uh 
have you noticed that they're just dropping a lot of like if it was real life and there's a detective trying to um, figure out homicide he's not going to dispel a bunch of secrets about the homicide right but these guys seem to be just throwing it out there like oh no you know seriously this case is going this way and now that we know this they might go a different route. Yeah, you know true, what I mean? True. Yeah. I'm true. like, you're a bad detective. <laughs> but also at the same time, you know, the coach, he ends up quitting and then he comes over to the detective's office and he's like, hey, mm. by the way, I forgot to tell Carlson. you. Carlson. Like, detective Carlson. Yeah. Dick, he's he's right? like, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot to tell you, but my, my gay lover who was murdered was also married before. So, like, the idea that he could have tried to rape Cheryl, like, could be a possibility. And uh, Carlson was like, Nah, I don't like you're kind of my office. Here. Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta you understand. I, I I think the the guy the guy's portraying like a hardcore like Texan, like you know, he's got the big bull horns and shit. You know, he also had yeah, he also had like a lot of like um he had his military, uh his marine patch accompanied by a bunch of like military medals and shit. So like mm. you get the really distinct um picture of like him being like, you know, just a fucking atypical uh, or or a stereotypical um alpha male yeah he doesn't want to he doesn't want anyone else telling him what he should be believing he believes that his way is the only way right, right? like yeah. he's just so kind of whether it's world. you know the gay coach who he thinks is in on it or his co-detective who should be helping him like he's already made up his mind about how this case is uh, is going and how it ends and the whole night he's like ah, I don't give a shit about anybody else. Um, and then so as we get to this point, um, then we have uh, the big game, right? Oh, right before the big game, there was. Well, uh, what's happening so far is that. Billy still wants to leave. He still wants to go to college, you know, and right. like none of the things right. that she, he's that Cheryl has done is like, you know, thwarted his idea of leaving. So she's like, fuck it. I'm just going to screw it up for him because I know he's got this game coming up where, you know, mm-hmm. this uh, scout's coming. So she starts like putting some shit in his milk and he likes drink, drinking that milk. He drinks milk a lot. In the yeah. Movie. Well, he's a growing boy. They make strong bones. He needs his milk. So she gets him to drink a whole bunch of it before his game. And then sure enough, during his game, he like passes out and they end up taking him home. And like I they she put him up in the attic, which, you know, early in the movie, she was like, hey, I don't want you going up there because I'm making it into like an apartment for you for when you stay, insinuating that like you're not leaving. And then he wakes up in this room and it's like Raggedy Ann and Andy and like Rainbow, like. The, no, the, the, those little like, those little things that little boys play, like little toddlers play with and shit, like those rings the little and donuts. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, all right. Yeah, and I, I mean, was like, dude, what the fuck? Uh, do you know what how old this kid is? What the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like, um, but we we just kind of overlooked one critical part. Like I think right before that was that Detective Cook had come into Carlson's office and was like, hey. Mm-hmm. You know, the more I'm looking at this, like this Cheryl lady also used to date this guy named uh, Chuck Strange. And like one day that dude just up and left and disappeared and, you know, didn't take anything with him. All his belongings stayed in place. And like he just vanished off the face of the earth. They're like, maybe that's worth looking into. And Carlson was like, nah, fuck that. And we remember that Strange, Chuck Strange is the dude that used to date Billy's mom 
back in the day. So like this is where I used the one to, she was hiding the picture of, right? When he and she was upstairs. very fond of her. So like this mm. is where I start like putting some pieces together, and I'm like, hmm, like uh, something is different here, right? So again, he goes to school. He's playing the game. He you know passes out. They take him home. He wakes up in this room. And, you know, he's kind of incapacitated or whatever. She's trying to take care of him. Um, and the uh, she she has this, like, chest, this, like, golden chest that has, like, some of her memorabilia in it in the room. And, like, he she's letting him go through some of that stuff. And he sees some stuff in there that, like, piques his interest. And I think she caught on to it. So she was like, oh, no, no, well, let me go put this away. I'm going to go put it back in my room or whatever. You stay here and like you continue. Well, one of it was, it was his mom's bracelet, right? She's well, that's like, not the, is... you're jumping ahead a little bit. So, oh, so what oh, ends I'm up sorry. happening yeah, is yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're he right. wants to see what's in the chest and he's feeling better. While Aunt Cheryl's downstairs, her friend, uh, I forget her, the name of the friend, uh, Joni or uh, I forget her name. Fuck, I'm so drunk. Um, she comes over to visit just to kind of check on people and see how they're going. Um, and Billy's starting to feel better. So he sneaks out of the house and he goes to find his girlfriend because he, when he woke up, it was noon the next day and he was like, Oh shit, I got to go meet Julie. And she's like, you're not going anywhere. You're sick and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I told her I'd meet her by one. So he ends up sneaking out of the house to go meet Julie and then he convinces Julie to be like, help him. Like, hey, I need to get into that chest. There's some shit in there that I need to see. So like you go talk to my aunt and distract her and I'll go look at the chest. And that's kind of what happened. She walks in only to find that like um, Aunt Cheryl has like cut all of her hair off. I think at this point, like she was going a little bit stir crazy about what's been happening. She went full Britney Spears. Lee yeah, uh, not full, <laughs> no, full but like <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. Oh, dude, we have, uh, her state of mind was totally fucking obliterated. At this dude, point. it was just, uh, it just kept going downhill. You know, I, I kind of I, I do have to wonder, too. We already knew she was psycho from the get go. Right. I mean, that was kind of like set in stone. Every every little little link was there, but I I I'm, I I happen to believe this was the point where she just kind of crossed over the complete edge. Where she snapped. Like, yeah. 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 So he gets in. He finds what he's looking for, and then uh, Aunt Cheryl's kicking Julie out, and then he comes back in and to the like to the kitchen, and she, like Aunt Cheryl's like, "What the fuck? Like you're supposed to be upstairs asleep," and blah blah blah, and he's like. Did you get my note? And she's like, no, like get back upstairs and blah, blah, blah. And um, she, what happens from there? Oh, no, she doesn't end up kicking Julie out of the house. She ends up hitting her with that meat tenderizer. So, so Julie's That's right. trying to oh, talk Julie, to her. I, I'm so sorry. I, I, when you said her name, I was, ex I was, I was thinking of her, of her friend. Oh, no, no, um, no. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Julie. Julie, uh, she she conned her into grabbing another uh, steak out of the fridge, um, and uh, when she did that, she bashed her in the head with the meat tender. Right, right, and then like ditches her body in the house somewhere, and then that's when her friend came over, mm, and then Billy yeah. came home and was like, "Hey, was Julie here?" and uh, Cheryl. And of course, yeah. the friend always walks in at the worst fucking moment, dude. <laughs> For a half second, I thought this movie was filmed in Canada or took place in Canada because I don't know if you noticed, but everybody who comes to the house knocks on the door and then walks in. 
Nobody yeah, ever walked straight. was yeah, invited yeah, yeah. in. Everybody from the detectives, the girlfriend, the friends, everybody just fucking walks in the house. Like, is this Canada? What's happening hey, right now? Hey, this is Seinfeld, man. <laughs> like, right? Just walk right in. So yeah. Aunt Gerald takes out Julie, dishes, ditches the body somewhere in the house. The friend comes over, um, you know, just checking on things. And, like, she can see the haircut, like... She can tell her friend is going crazy. And then she's like, you know, Billy's upstairs. And it's funny because like um, Billy, Billy had come in and she's trying to serve him milk. And the friend is there and she opens the fridge and there's like all this blood in the fridge from when she hit Julie in the head with the meat tenderizer. So she's right. like cleaning it off with her scarf, but like still putting more of this poison into the milk and serving it to Billy. And he keeps getting sick. So like they take him back upstairs and, you know, he's incapacitated and Aunt Cheryl tells her friend like, hey, you can leave now. Like, I'm good. And her friend's like, well, like, don't you just want me here for moral support? She's like, nope, I'm good. Bye. Like, leave. Get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, uh, am, am I missing this part? Or did she ask her to use her phone, right? She wanted to call her husband. That, the same part where she, she was like, hey, I'm going to Yeah, yeah. Leave. It's raining outside. So I, I, I figure I'll let my husband come pick me up. She's all like. There's an umbrella in the closet. Use it. Yeah. And this is more <laughs> so because she can, right yeah, she can tell like some shady shit is going down. Um, yeah. This is, this is where we see that transition where her friend's kind of thinking like, oh, yeah. something's going on. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, she ends up um, going downstairs and just kind of hanging around. Um, yeah. And um, she... You know, she acts well. She finds the umbrella and stuff, and she's about to walk out. But instead of walking out, she closes the door herself, acting like she's left because she kind of wants. I don't. Is she nosy, or does she really think something's going on? I, I kind of. It's kind of hard to determine. Yeah, she's nosy. She's nosy, and but yeah. also at the same time, she's also like. Trying to figure out what's happening because she's got probable cause, so it's all good. And this is the friend of Aunt Cheryl we're talking about, right? Like, she's just like you know, so what the hell is she up to, right? So she yeah. goes sneaking up the chair, the stairs at this point. Um, well, so she's also, um, so Aunt Cheryl is like now like force feeding um, him milk, and he's trying to like tell her like, hey, I know something he's pulling out pictures from his pocket he pulls out like the uh the necklace and shit and this is where we find out that aunt cheryl is actually his biological mother mm. and what happened was um she got pregnant by this dude chuck strange and when she told him i was you know she was pregnant he was like well i don't love you and i'm not gonna marry you and i'm gonna leave you to raise this kid all by yourself that's where she got crazy and murdered him that's also when we put together that the person that she's been talking to in the shed is Chuck Strange. And then I don't know if it's at this scene or maybe one prior, but like we also see there is a skeleton in that um, shed as well. So we're, we put all Which the pieces together. Which is soon discovered because, because Julie comes to, we thought she was dead, right? She was hit in the head with that, that meat tenderizer. She was, right. she was knocked out, but she wasn't dead. She was up in the attic. And uh, that's when she came to, uh, when all this is going on, when she's force feeding him the, the, the drugs and shit like that. And uh, she's upstairs 
Um, by the way, the friend had noticed there was some belonging of Julie's there in the closet too. So we, we well, Julie's mom called she... the house too and was like, "Hey, right. is Julie there?" And she's like, "No, she hasn't been here all day. I haven't seen her." And then the friend was like, when she hung up the phone, she was like, "Didn't you just tell Billy like that Julie was here and then she left?" And she was like, "Why are you still here? Like, do you make it a practice to listen to people's conversations? Like, get the fuck out of my yeah. house! <laughs> like, I got this, some shit to do." Straight, this straight line is starting to get divided ones. And yeah, stuff at and, this point. and yeah, that's yeah. where her friend is like again, like, um, I was just closing your windows yeah. and like, yeah, I'm gonna leave right now. And then she even does that thing where she's like. So uh, Cheryl goes upstairs and then her friend from downstairs calls out like, hey, I'm leaving now. And then she like opens the door, but then closes it and just like waits to see like, yeah, okay, did she buy the fact that I left? You know, like she knows something is going down and that she should stick around and figure it out. Mm. Um, so Julie wakes up, sees, you know, Chuck's body in there. Um, but also the detectives show up. Right. So uh, Detective Cook shows up because Julie's mom called the detective afterwards and was like, Hey, I called over to Cheryl's house and because that's where my daughter was going to be. She says they never showed up, but I know she was there. So the detective cook goes to check it out and he's, you know, walking around the shed. And at this point, um, aunt Cheryl had realized that like she needs to go outside and check on things. And that's where she's in the shed and she sees the detective and she takes that big ass fucking machete, which I don't even know where she got it from. And she cuts off the detective's hand because um, he had a gun pointed at her. Mm. And then she ends up killing Detective Cook. I don't remember how he died. No, she 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 sliced him in the neck, too. Is that what it was? Yeah, she okay. she got first she cut off his hand, which his hand was still hanging off of the, the pull cord for the for, for the uh the light switch, right? Yeah, the little light switch that engages the light. Right, 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 right. Um and uh you know obviously uh in in some kind of state of like what the fuck just happened he's just like oh she gets him right in the neck with the machete and stuff like that and uh uh delivers the kill blow right right at that point and um we we now see uh julie it's julie right she's she's terrified and shit like that and she's now witnessed this woman murder this cop right in front of her and stuff like that uh it engages in some kind of uh, a struggle, right? Yeah. Um, and she ends up like they end up fight. Like she ends up, Julie ends up running. Aunt Cheryl runs up after her and they end up Typical, fighting in like, like a run river. into the middle of the woods. Type yeah. Thing and in they the end up like fighting in shit. a river and like she ends mm-hmm. up hitting Julie in the head with a rock a couple times and she passes out. And then she goes back to the house to find. Um, that was a cool scene when she's bashing her hands with the yeah, rod. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it, it wasn't that. It it wasn't as like vile as it would be made nowadays, but it still felt very fuck unnerving in some way. I think Just it's because of the the level of acting provided by Susan by Tyrell. both actresses. Yeah, both, both yeah, actresses but, Su- but Susan point. for sure like. She just brought it. And I think we're underplaying the the fact of like how well acted she played that role and how easy it was for her. for her to switch from like 
like little old me i'm so innocent and like i need i need you to stay from college because like i don't know what i Bro, I could be doing. a huge bitch at the same time and, and then like get off. the fuck out of my house you <laughs> fucking whore bitch and i was like yeah. oh yeah. shit but like yeah no she did that the shit way they well. with her makeup and like every her facial expressions like she sells that shit man she makes this movie for me honestly like yeah i'll just jump to the end here because we're getting to that point um Detective um, Carlson shows up as well, um, and he tries to kill Billy, and then um, Aunt Cheryl shows up to, like, she ends up killing him or, like, stabbing him or somehow got his gun loose. Yeah, we thought she was dead. Uh, There was actually a dispute between Billy and her, and then he stabbed her. Sorry, I hit my microphone. Right. No, it's all good. Um, He had stabbed her in like the shoulder esque area. And, you know, typically where there there might be some nerves and stuff like that. We were under the impression that she was dead, but we as viewers know she's not dead. You know, you know what I mean? But he just thought thought, uh, things were. We're over. Uh, the detective, the the shitty detective uh, with his antics, comes in, thinks he knows what the fuck is going on and shit like that. And um, wait, I'm sorry. Did I, am I am I missing something? I feel like she wasn't dead, right? No. I so. Oh no, she was dead after Billy killed her. After he stabbed her, he ended up stabbing her, and um, it was weird because um, there's some some things I'll get into in a second where like the way that she died and the, the position that she fell in, like he ended up stabbing her in the chest with like a knife or scissors or something. And a like, very she, small knife too. It wasn't even like normal. Like it wasn't like knife. She was killing people. With, she, but. she fell like on her back, but mm. then like he fell on her in a very like sexual position as well. Um, yeah. And, his face was pretty much in her fucking in her cooch <laughs> like, uh, a, l- a little bit higher than that but yeah you get the idea like it, it's in, it's made to insinuate like they look like they were like fucking each other and, yeah uh, or fucking and um she ends up not being dead and when uh, carlson comes in she attacks him and then um i think he kills her or somehow uh, billy gets the gun and then he ends up killing um carlson um, because the, the detective, right, 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 and so yeah. like now everyone's dead, right? So everyone's uh, dead. The detective Cook, Detective Carlson, Aunt Cheryl, um, everyone's dead, and then it just cuts to the end, and then you see these like on-screen credits where like, um, the the kinda, trial kind of gives you a little bit of uh, like what happened later, which is weird because I don't think I needed that. Um, it yeah. said it said like. Uh, Billy stood trial for Detective Carlson's murder, and in four days the jury was well, like not guilty because of t- temporary insanity or whatever. And then both him and Julie were going to Denver University, and that's it. And I was like, who I, fucking cares? Like, yeah, I got well, everything I, I needed yeah. out of this movie. I don't need to know that shit. I think in these days people needed an absolute conclusion. Where whereas you and I are now now used to like abrupt endings where they just end. Yeah, we don't I need so. to know what happens to him afterward, right? Like Return of the Living Dead. Oh, well, they just blew up. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I, I'm going to say this much. Look, uh, this is the second time I watched this movie, right? I, I brought that up earlier. I remember the first time 
I I already knew that this was a cult classic. I didn't know why. I didn't know, you know, but I I sat there and I watched it. I actually wa- watched it what I call quote unquote Joe Bob Briggs style. I was watching his show and uh he was presenting it. So, you know, I kind of gave a little extra feedback, which is always it's always fun. It's always fun watching anything with Joe Bob Briggs. I I'm going to say that much. It's just like the guy the kind of the he'll he'll break it down and shit. But still, I was thinking, well, this movie was okay. I just don't see what the cult following is. But then when I rewatched it, I'm glad you picked this one, by the way. And when I rewatched totally it, random. I was like, oh, I, I, I see the love. I see the love. I do have, I now have love for this movie. I will say it is definitely an under under uh, rated movie. And I would I'm glad that, that people are taking uh, notice to it. And I'll be honest with you, dude, like uh, of all the different podcasts we've done, I think this is my favorite movie that we had to cover. I would, I don't disagree with that. It had so many layers and so yeah. many different things. I, I dude, it I was, wish we could have put everything in this, but we really couldn't. It had you, just, you. You have to go watch it yourself. You it, really do. It's got serious tones to it without trying to be serious, which is mm. what I like about it. Like, it just compels you. And while you can like debate the horror aspect of it, it's more of yeah. a slasher to me. Like. I don't know. I I draw I I draw a yeah, line falls between the slasher category really Hor- well too. But this is like a slasher where it's not just some strange guy that came out of nowhere, or strange person, strange killer that came out of nowhere. Like this is one of those ones. It's like it could be anyone. It could be yeah. your best friend. It could be your mom. You you know what I mean? It was. I I mean you knew who it was, but at the same time it was just like. Man, this is a person who was close to everyone, and she had everyone just wrapped around her finger. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like she was just ah, uh, the excellent performance, very yeah. excellent performance. Yeah, um, she scared me on multiple levels. Yeah, and shit. I was she, like, yeah. fuck, she's yeah, a freaky 100%. lady. Yeah, you know. So, so kudos to her. Yeah, good job. Hundred percent. Good job to everyone who did this movie because, uh, probably one of the better ones by yeah, so much. yeah. Yep, I would agree. Yep. <sighs> Dope. I love it. Good pick. I'm I, glad it was on the list. Yeah. That man. was your pick, my friend. That, hey, it was totally dude, random. Was so, there, you know, it was just for just as much as you had it on the list, I had, you know, it was just a random choice. So, whatever. It was all good. Good. It works good out, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, I think the intent here is to mm. go weekly, right? Um, try to try to be more consistent um you know um get more content out there push this stuff out mm-hmm. regularly for everyone who listens all all six of them and then um just try to you know bring some you know unknown kind of um hits to to the surface um, and we got a lot of fun stuff coming up um we're we're gonna be guest spotting on another podcast in March. Um, I'll be attending CreepyCon in February, so try to get some interviews or whatever I can there. Um, I've reached out to a couple people to see if they want to be guests on ours, like just trying to build it up. So the more that everybody listens, the better, the more that you guys can push this out, the better, the better exposure, the more we can Mm. do stuff and bring, you know, these types of gems um, to you. So, yeah, and here at Mutant City Horror, remember fans, Whoever's listening, we love you. Uh, I'm uh, thankful that you guys are listening, and 
we hope to uh, build it up in the future, and we're going to go places. Yeah, for man. Sure. All right, Matthew, Matthias Deal, thank you so much, man. Looking forward to the next one. Yes, sir. I don't know if you can hear the theme music or not. I can't, but you know what? I'm going with it. Cool. Well, I'll fade us out here. Um, Until the next time, man. Union City Horror. Peace out. Union City Horror.